All right, well, let's get into the Bible today. Let's, let's teach the Word. I am excited about this message. Now, I was excited about last week's message. I got off the stage last Sunday, and the first thing my wife said to me is, I could tell you were excited to preach that one. All right, so... I think I'm just as excited to preach this one, but we are in a teaching series, Confidence, Why for Christmas Day. Jesus knew with confidence why he came to the earth. He passed that on to his disciples, and as they wrote the New Testament, they wrote several reasons in the New Testament why Jesus came to the earth. And we're looking at all of those reasons, right? John 18, 37, when Jesus stood on trial before Pilate, he said, for this I have come into the world. He knew why he had come. And so in our first message, we looked at 1 John 4, 14, that Jesus came to be the Savior of the world. And we looked at all the things that Jesus saves us from. And we can celebrate all those things this Christmas season. Then last Sunday, we looked at uh, that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And so Jesus came to give us victory. And we looked at last week why the wrong definition of victory can be dangerous and why we need to have a good biblical definition of victory. And so if you've missed any of those messages, you can find those on our website, our podcast, our digital campus videos. But we're going to get into part three today. And part three is the world needs peace. The world needs peace. Now, I know that there's a lot of folks that'll say, ah, oh, the world is worse than it's ever been. Things have never been this bad before. Listen, I don't buy into that, right? The world has always been broken. Since Adam and Eve sinned, the earth has been cursed by sin, and every human being born has been born with a sin nature. The world has always been broken. The world has always had problems. So I don't buy into this that things are worse now than they've ever been, right? People say, our nation is more divided than it's ever been. Well, apparently you've forgotten the Civil War, okay? Because... Our nation has always been politically divided. Ever since people chose sides between Thomas Jefferson and Alexander Hamilton, our nation has always been divided. So I don't buy into that things are worse now than ever before, but let's just accept the reality of the season that we're in. That we are almost two years into a pandemic that we thought was going to end a lot earlier. And now, not only has it not ended, but we've got this new Omicron variant, and we're waiting to figure out what it's going to look like and how it's going to play out in our hospital system, right? And we're going into another holiday season where we got to think about, do we travel? Do we gather? Am I going to be alone this holiday season? All of the uncertainty, all of the difficulty, all of the unknowns lead me to declare that the world needs peace. The world needs peace. And they need a peace that only Jesus can bring. So if you've got your notes, you can find your notes in the bulletin. You can find the notes on the church app. Or they're attached to this video or they're attached to this audio. Here's our big picture point today. Jesus came on that first Christmas day to bring peace to the world. But not the peace that the world expected. Jesus came to bring peace to the world. But not the peace that the world expected. Let's look at the Christmas story that we find in the Gospel of Luke. When John the Baptist is born, his father, Zechariah, begins to prophesy. And if you remember the story, Zechariah was struck mute for the entire pregnancy of his, of his wife because he didn't have faith to believe. And so when his son is finally born, Zechariah is able to speak, and he begins to prophesy. 
And this is part of his prophecy in Luke chapter 1, verses 78 and 79. He says, because of the tender mercy of our God, with which the sunrise from on high will visit us. What is the sunrise from on high? That is from Malachi chapter 4, when it says that the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, right? So he is prophesying about the coming Messiah. And then he says to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, which is a, a prophecy from Isaiah. And he declares to guide our feet into the way of peace. Zacharias is prophesying the Messiah that Malachi talked about. The Messiah that Isaiah talked about is coming. And when he comes, he's going to guide us into peace. And then in Luke chapter 2, when the Christ child is born, the angels appear to shepherds who are watching their flocks by night. And after declaring to the shepherds that they can go and find the Messiah, the angels begin to sing, right? And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. The declaration that night as the angels sent the message of the Christ child being born was that peace has come among men. So we know that Jesus came to the earth to bring peace, but maybe not the peace that we're thinking about. Our main verse today is John 14, 27. This is Jesus speaking his farewell address to his disciples, right? They've gathered for the Last Supper. He's teaching them all the last things. He's going to have the opportunity to teach them before he goes and he faces the cross. And as a part of his farewell address, he's promising them the Holy Spirit, right? The, the I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to bring the Holy Spirit. It's good that I go away so that the Holy Spirit can come and be with you. And as a part of that, he says this in John 14 and verse 27. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Right? Jesus is promising them, I'm going to give you peace, and it's not the kind of peace that the world gives. What does that mean? Not the kind of peace that the world gives. Well, think about the setting that Jesus is in. Right? They are in the Roman Empire, and the time in which Jesus walked on this earth in the Roman Empire was a season that the Romans called Pax Romana. Pax Romana, which literally means the peace of Rome. Man, there is a moth flying through the church that's as big as a bat. All right, now that I've completely distracted all of you, let's get back to the Word of God. All right. Pax Romana means the peace of Rome. So Jesus lived in a time that the Romans considered their golden age. There was no warfare. There was only peace in Rome. Well, what was the peace that the Romans gave? Well, their armies went out and conquered the entire known world, slaughtering the armies of every other nation and subjugating those nations. And so those nations became provinces of the Roman Empire. And as provinces of the Roman Empire, to make sure that none of them would rise up and rebel. The Romans kept armies in all of those provinces. So what was the peace that Rome promised? It was a peace that came through fear and intimidation. It was a peace that came through keeping everybody quiet. Not that the people were really in peace. So when Jesus said, I don't give peace as the world gives, that's what he was talking about.
He was also talking about, as Jeremiah had prophesied so many years earlier, that people say, peace, peace, when there is no peace. And Jeremiah was referring to the false prophets in Israel who declared that, hey, God is always going to protect us. God is always going to take care of us. We're always going to have this abundance because we're God's children, even though they had rejected God and they were living in sin and they had broken the covenant. And so Jeremiah challenged them and said, why do you say peace, peace when there is no peace? That's the peace that the world gives. And Jesus said, that's not the kind of peace I'm giving to you today. The peace of Christ that he was promising to them was not about an end to tension in your life. It was not about an absence of warfare in the world. It was not about finding perfect domestic tranquility. It was not anything like the worldly estimation of peace. And you say, well, how do we know that? Because in Luke chapter 12, what does Jesus say? He says, do you suppose that I came to grant peace on earth? I tell you no, but rather division. And it's like, wait a minute, is Jesus contradicting himself, right? He came to bring peace, and now here during his earthly ministry, he says, don't think that I came to bring peace. What is he talking about? He's talking about that there is a division that is naturally going to happen when you make a stand for Jesus and other people are making a stand for worldly things. There's going to be a natural division that is going to happen, right? He says, for from now on, five members in one household will be divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, right? So the peace that Jesus promised is not a physical peace, right? Since Jesus has come into the world, we have not seen an absence of warfare, Humans continue to wage war, and we will continue to wage war until the end of time. It's not a domestic tranquility. Come on, we can all testify to that. We have not found perfect peace in our family relationships. That's not the peace that Jesus was talking about. So what was the peace that Jesus was talking about? That's what I want to get into and encourage us with today. First off, though, before we can answer that question, we have to understand the Jewish perspective that Jesus was speaking to when he promised them peace. Right? So we know that peace in the Hebrew language was shalom. What do we know about shalom? What did that mean to a Jewish person who would hear this promise of peace? Well, what we know is this, is that shalom, like aloha here in Hawaii, could be used as both a greeting and a farewell. Shalom was how they greeted each other. It was how they bid goodbye to each other. But shalom was tied to covenant, and it was tied to the presence of God. Right? So they had shalom, and now shalom could incorporate all of those things. Right, It could incorporate peace from warfare. Shalom included national abundance and national prosperity. Uh, shalom included the goodwill that people could live with amongst themselves in Israel. Shalom included all of those things, but it was all tied back to the covenants. That if we were living in covenants, then the presence of God is with us, and it's the presence of God that brings us shalom. Right, Numbers chapter 6, it's the prayer of Aaron, right? It's Aaron's uh, uh, blessing over the children of Israel. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you shalom. 
and give you peace. So peace for the Jewish people was always tied to covenant relationship. And it was always tied to the presence of God. And then also shalom was tied to messianic prophecy. That there was an everlasting shalom. There was an eternal shalom that would come with the Messiah. Right? One of the most beautiful prophecies of the Messiah is in Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7, which says, For a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us, and the government will rest upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace, that when the Messiah comes, he will be the Prince of Peace, and there will be no end to his peace. Ezekiel 37, 26, Ezekiel prophesied, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting covenant with them. The new covenant that the Messiah would come and make would be an everlasting covenant of peace. So this is the understanding of peace that a Jewish person would have. And it was all a group of Jewish people that Jesus was speaking to in John 14 when he said, my peace I give you, not as the world gives so what is the peace that Jesus promised? Let's go through this in your notes. I've got three things here. One, the first peace that Jesus promises is reconciliation with God. Reconciliation with God. The peace that Jesus promises that he would make us right with God again so that we could have relationship with God again. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances. So that he himself might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, by having it put to death the enmity. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. The peace that Jesus promised is reconciliation. He's going to take that which was broken and divided and make it whole. And that is what was broken and divided was first that there were Jews and Gentiles that were divided. And Jesus says they will be divided no more. There will be one people of God. The wall has been broken down and we will all have access together to the same father. And the other thing that was divided was us and God. And that he would break down that division and there would no longer be enmity. There would no longer be warfare between us and God. But that we would be reconciled in right relationship with God. Jesus came to be, bring peace. And we find that peace in the new covenant we have with Jesus that makes us right with God the Father. Number two, the peace that Jesus promises is the presence of God in our lives leads to an internal tranquility, an internal tranquility. This is the peace that Jesus promises. Not the external stuff. There's still going to be warfare. There's still going to be conflict in our family. There's still going to be tension in our lives. No, the peace that Jesus promises is an internal state, 
an internal state of tranquility that is tied directly to the presence of God in our lives. In John chapter 20, Jesus, after he went to the cross and was buried, he resurrected. And in verse 19, it says, So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst. And what did he say to them? Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. He was giving the first deposit of the Holy Spirit that is now promised to every believer that the moment we believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is deposited inside of us as a guarantee. And so he came to his disciples and he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Peace be with you. The peace that he promised was tied to the presence of God, which is made available to every believer through the Holy Spirit in our lives. Are you guys following me on this? As long as we have the Holy Spirit in our lives, we have access to peace. Where is that peace? It's an internal state of tranquility. Now, let me give you a few more words for tranquility, and you can just maybe write these on the side in your notes somewhere. The first word is rest. Tranquility equals rest. Hebrews chapter 4 talks about a rest that only believers can find. And in fact, in Hebrews 4, it's an encouragement and it's also a warning. Don't miss out on the rest that God has made available. Tranquility equals rest, which means we can actually find rest. Not just that we're physically sitting still, not just that we sleep at night, but that we can wake up every day actually feeling rested and refreshed, actually feeling like we have more to give and more to pour out because God has put more in our lives, right? Just because you're sitting around doesn't mean you're at rest. You can be sitting around and still be fully distressed and fully consumed with anxiety and worry. But when we have internal tranquility, we can find real rest, Another word for tranquility is quietness or stillness. Man, there are so many voices in our lives, and they can get so loud. But when we tap into this internal tranquility, we can find quietness. Right? We've got the voice of anxiety. And I know that Fran and Shannon and others have shared so powerfully from this pulpit about overcoming the voice of anxiety. There is the voice of fear. Right? There is the voice of condemnation. There is the voice of lies. There are so many voices that can speak so loudly. But when we can find this internal tranquility, we can find a quietness that all those voices can go silent. And in the quietness, we can hear the still small voice of our God who is going to speak truth and assurance to us. This inner tranquility also means Stability. Stability. In the midst of uncertainty, we can be stable. When everything's being blown about, we can stand strong because we found this internal stability. 
And the last word I want to give you for tranquility is alignment or even oneness. What does this mean? This means we're in alignment with who God made us to be. We're in alignment with who God made us to be. We're not worried about impressing others or running around or trying to find ourselves or trying to figure out who we are. No, I know who I am, and I'm okay with who I am, and I'm in oneness with who God made me to be. And in that oneness, I find tranquility. I find peace. The peace that Jesus promises is an internal tranquility that is tied directly to the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And finally, number three, this internal state is protected from the external circumstances of a chaotic world. Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How do we access this peace of God? Well, the verse right before it said, make all your needs known to God, and his peace will guard us. Right? So the promised peace of Jesus is not that the chaotic events of the world will stop. They're going to keep coming at us. The promise of Jesus is that this internal state of peace that is tied directly to the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives will protect us from the chaos around us. And there, as there is chaos around us, there is tranquility inside of us. There's a stillness. There's a oneness. There's a rest. There's a stability. That's what Jesus promises, and that is what I believe this world needs in this Christmas season. I'm going to stop right there. Let me have the worship team come back up. And as I close, I want to share this. I don't want you to misunderstand peace. Peace is not an absence of pain. Peace is not an absence of emotions. Right? We're still going to experience grief. We're still going to experience pain. Peace does not mean that suddenly we become numb to those things. In fact, if we are numb to those things, that's actually a sign that something is wrong. Right? That's an indicator of depression or other mood disorders. Peace is not an absence of emotions or pain. So then what is it? Well, I'm going to tell a story on myself. This Thursday night, my chargers lost a heartbreaker. And I'm just going to tell you, full confession, I get way too emotionally tied into these football games. Right, man, I rise and I fall with these football games, and, and I get so into it emotionally. And then when you lose on the last play of the game, man, I experience it way more than I should. And so Thursday night, I was so upset, and I know myself, I know that when I'm really upset, whether it's over something that matters or whether it's over something stupid like a football game, I know that when I'm really upset, I usually wake up in the middle of the night and I have trouble going back to sleep. And so when I went to bed on Thursday night, I'm like, man, I'm going to wake up in the middle of the night. And sure enough, I did. So here I am. It's one in the morning. I'm sitting awake. I've been meditating on the peace of Jesus all week long because I've been writing this sermon and I'm sitting there talking to God going, are you serious? I'm supposed to be preaching peace and I'm sitting awake at one in the morning, totally upset. I said, Lord, where is the peace in this? And he answered me clear as day. He said, well, you're not feeling it alone, are you? 
You're not feeling it alone, are you? Listen, church, peace is not the absence of pain. Peace is the promise that in our pain, we will never be alone. And this holiday season, I want to pray peace over you that are here, over those that are on our digital campus, either watching it live or maybe you're watching it later. I want to pray the peace of God that as we celebrate this holiday season, we don't allow the stress or the uncertainty or the chaos or the pressure to come upon us. But we find the presence of God and we dwell with that presence. And in that presence, we're going to find an internal tranquility that even when it hurts, we're not going to be alone. Even when it's chaotic, we're going to stand stable. Even when we're uncertain, we're going to be able to rest because that's what Christmas is about. Let's not allow Christmas to become about stress and fear and worry. Let's remember what Christmas is about. Jesus came to give us peace, not as the world gives it, does he give it. Jesus, Jesus. I just pray right now, Lord, that your peace would wash over us, that your peace would wash over us. I pray especially right now, Lord, that we would become so aware of your Holy Spirit in our lives, that we would rejoice at the precious gift that we have, that we have the presence of God embedded deep within us, always with us. Lord, would you make us so aware of it that when we walk, we would not walk alone, that when we weep, we would not weep alone, that when we rejoice, we would not rejoice alone, that, Lord, even when we sit alone, we're not alone. You're with us, Lord. Make us so aware of that. Jesus, would you open our hearts today to receive the peace that you have promised? Lord, we've chased after the peace of this world, and it's left us disappointed. We've chased after the promises of a good life, of a perfect family, and it's left us feeling like failures. So, Lord, instead, can we receive the peace that you promise? That we can find the stillness and the rest that we so desperately need? God, we want to be rejuvenated. We want to be whole. God, we want to be your ambassadors of reconciliation. We want to be people of peace and carry the message of peace into the world. But we can't do that when we're frazzled. We can't do that when we're in fear. We can't do that when we're carrying the heavy weight of condemnation. So, Lord, would you open our hearts to your peace? Could we find it, Lord, as we sit with you? Could we find it, Lord? And in that quietness, would you begin to speak to us? Would you begin to speak life and truth to us? Jesus, Jesus, let this be the most wonderful holiday season ever. I don't care about a pandemic. I don't care about all the things that are going on. Let it just be the most wonderful holiday season ever because we have the peace of Christ and because we can share that peace with others and we can spread the same message that the angels declared, peace on earth among men because Jesus has reconciled us to God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we pray it out today over everyone that is here. 
over everyone that is watching and listening to this. We pray it out today in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.